You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. Boom. So today is Palm Sunday. It's a big year. And what's really fun, anybody ever here to see, uh, hey, we can put the lights on so if everyone wants to see, but um, have you guys ever heard the the, uh, the phrase, be prepared in season and out of season? Anybody ever hear that? Who, who's heard that? Come on, just like, let me get some interaction here. Like, like let's wake up. We're all a little tired today. Yeah, okay. It's, it's all good. I got a new puppy. You guys all know that? Do you know how, how hard it is to teach a puppy to not pee in the house? Okay. Do you know how much energy it takes when all he wants to do is play? I'm like, I just want to sit on the couch for like 15 minutes after waking up. I don't want to like jump up every five seconds because you're sniffing somewhere else, right? Like, can I, can I get a witness in here? Huh? Anybody? Anybody ever had a young puppy? All right, so I know, I know if you're a little tired, that's okay, but like, you know what helps me and each of us to not be tired is when we like, is when you get that synergy, you get that energy, you get that like, like, like you do something with someone, like you go play catch, right? Like, boom, toss the football to, you know, Levi and, or I mean Eli, and then boom, he's like chucking it back at me and maybe throws it to Levi, I don't know, like insert name, but like it, you start getting energy, you want to play more, it's like when you finally get that, that gear going, so Help a brother out this morning. I'm feeling good, but man, I want to I want to toss a few things your way and see if uh, you can catch them and see if you can toss them back. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Are we all are we all on the same page? Yeah. You, feel free to say amen. amen. Yeah, that that's just a simple way of saying uh, let it be. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. You can also just simply say give me some of that. Give me some of that. Thank you. All right, and I'll take it. So feel free to to. You know, a quiet a, a quiet church is a dead church. Come on, like like let's let, yeah, come on, like like let's let's make some noise. I'm not looking for you all to be praising me. I'm just hoping that in the same way that you would cheer for a football team that's winning, you would cheer for the word of God if you if you agree and you're excited about what it's accomplishing. Okay, so like if you hear something like, oh, that's a good play, Pastor Kevin. Can you just shout out, you know, uh, you know, one of our teammates here, you know, Marshawn Lynch or whatever. I don't know who enters her name, but like, let's just let's just give the word of God the glory it's due, right, Levi? Man, I got some zip fizz up in my office. If you need if you need a boost, brother, because I, I love you. Sure, yeah. I know it's rough. I know it's a lot. I just it's, it's all vitamins. It's vitamin energy. You just you just do a dome shot, a powder straight to the head. Oh. You know that's the best. Any hey, y'all like bodybuilders in here? I know you, you bodybuilder, right, Isaiah? Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you are. You, 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 you want to want to get like you got that meat going on, man. Like you're gonna get like those gains of like your little biceps. Like that's I know you. I know you like that stuff. Anyway, so like when I was doing more bodybuilding, like he's a, he's a bodybuilder. He don't know it yet. You gotta call things out as they are. It's prophetic. So, but um, but I mean like for real, being a bodybuilder. Uh, for a season of my life, and then I was like, okay, now I gotta figure out how to be a vegan bodybuilder, praise God, hallelujah, but I'm, I'm good, like, you take, I take some of those, you know, uh, uh, pre-workouts, anybody ever take a pre-workout in here? I'm not trying to encourage you to take pre-workouts, but essentially it's like creatine and vitamins and caffeine, so you can oxygenate your blood better while you're working out, so you can get a better pump, and you need more fresh oxygenated blood to be able to lift more, it's pretty great, but man, like, when I was really going, you know, in on it, like, on that stuff, like, 
you don't got time to pre-mix that, that pre-workout with, with a, you know, a bottle of water. Like, that's just messy. Just take the scoop right out of the, right out of the thing, the pure powder, and just, uh, it's called a shot to the dome. That's it. Like, boom. Powder, like, like dissolving in your mouth, and, and it's like the worst thing. Then you just chase it with a little bit of water, and you're like, boom. Now you're ready to do your workout as long as you don't aspirate the powder into your lungs like the cinnamon challenge and die. So, you know, all that to say is, uh, you know, today, when you hear something, and it's good, okay? When you hear the word of God and it brings a breath of life, it brings that life-giving breath into you. Like, like just say, whoo, come on. Get, like, get some of that, right? Like, I mean, you make some noise when, when, you, when you take that, that creatine powder shot to your, to your face. You're like, whoa, that's horrible, okay? But I needed it, amen, it got me going. So now that we're ready, Lord, bless this time as we examine the coronation of a king. Hallelujah. We thank you for your word. It's living and true. And we thank you that uh, we are not a dead church, but we are alive and living. That we are shifting now. Uh, we have been established firmly, Lord God, in your word, Lord God, and the fundamentals of the truth. We are going to now see a breaking free and a releasing of the supernatural power of Yeshua and the Holy Spirit being released upon every student in this room to be activated and equipped, Lord God, in their journey to defeat the works of the enemy every day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Nobody wants to see me give me some of that? Y'all like the devil just, just slashing you every day? Come on. All right. I'm, I'm, I didn't even have caffeine today. Well, no, that's not true. I did. I had a little bit. I apologize. Anyway, Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11. Let's hop open there. And we will start there. Today, there will be some small group time, but I'm pretty juiced up about what the Lord has for today. So I ask if you would forgive me uh, if, I, if I leave less room for that. Will you guys forgive me? Does that make you sad? I'm going to give some room for, for, for small group time, but I definitely feel like this is going to be um, pretty, pretty good. All right. Matthew 21. Verse 1 through 11. And apparently I only have like the really complicated Bible app on my, on my iPad. So now I've got to go with my iPhone. Huh? Oh well. Uh, here we go. Matthew 21. If you're there, say amen. Don't leave me hanging. All right. One through 11. Yep. Here we go. I'm reading in the ESV, English Standard Version. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with a colt and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. To the Lord's Jesus. And he will send them at once. That's what Jesus said. Verse 4, this took place to fulfill that what uh, fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on a foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him 
and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Come on. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. The entire city saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The amazing transformation that then takes place over the next several days to, to the next Sunday. Wow. Here we see a story of Jesus, and I'm going to try and get through this really fast but, uh, and effectively, but I don't want to mince words here. How many of you enjoy a good hero story? Anybody? You like, like a good hero, like, like really the underdog, what was that? Marvel. I mean, yeah, come on. Like, Marvel's good. I like it. And, and you're, now you're starting to get some of the individual stories of, like, the backgrounds. You know, yeah, you've got the Marvel Avengers, but then you've got all, like, well, where did Hulk come from? Where did, where did you know, uh, Iron Man come from? And, like, it began with Iron Man. So you get to, like, personal stories. Did you know that when people are writing stories of heroes, there's actually, like, a rubric. There, there's, like, a law that they have to follow in order for it to be considered an epic, okay, E-P-O-C-H. That, that, is a, that, is a, that is a transformative story of someone who qualifies as now a hero. There's actual steps of this journey. It's, called the, it's literally called the hero's journey. If you guys are interested in being an author ever or telling stories, it, I would encourage you, get familiar with the hero's journey, okay? It, it, it's very helpful, and, and there is a, it, there's three major parts to a hero's journey. So whatever you look at in um, good hero stories, how many of you know there's like some dumb ones out there that just didn't, they didn't go so well. That's why they didn't get a season two, you know. That's just what it is, you know. But with that, yeah, someone said Justice League. Wow, ouch, okay. I felt that. I felt that on a, man. On a level. But we, see, we got Star Wars, you've got Lord of the Rings, you know, like, like you've got the heroes in these stories. But the hero's journey looks like this, okay? You have three main parts, and within that there's other pieces. Number one is depart. Everyone say depart. Depart. There's the, there's the portion of the story where the uh, prota uh, protagonist, right, is he departs on the journey. The little baggins. I'm going on an adventure! Right? And then he's way off in the field and he recognizes I haven't gone this far before. And same with Frodo. He's walking with his buddy Sam and he's walking through that one Samwise Gamgee, you know, and he's walking through that field of, you know, of, his, of the neighbor and like here comes Billy and Billy, I think their names, I don't know, something like that. And, and, and they're, they're, they're stealing fruits, but like he looks at Sam, he's like, Sam, I've, I've never gone this far before. I've never stepped out beyond this. And he takes that next step. So, so the hero's journey not only begins with the depart, okay, but going beyond the known. Going beyond the known. If, they, if, they, if everything happens within the known, it's not a very exciting tale. Like, it's literally like the Groundhog Day movie, okay? Same thing happens over and over. It knows exactly what's going to happen. You don't know what that is? Don't worry about it. And so you have the departure. And then you have this big portion that takes place called the initiation. Anybody ever hear about this kind of crazy things they do when you go away to college? 
to initiate you. Oh, like a sorority, like, like they make you like for guys. Sometimes they literally make you like walk around in your underwear and like, like, like a giant baby diaper and like embarrass you like crazy. And there's a lot of other crazy stuff that they do, which I, that's not righteous for sure. But like you know, there, there's an initiation. Uh, uh, like you, you, okay, now you're your brotherhood, right? Like some when you when you actually step into a gang. I don't know if you guys ever know much about this, but like when you step into a gang, the, the uh, I can't remember, I'm sorry, if it was in the 90s, I don't know if it's still the same now, but it was either the Crips or the Bloods, they would jump you in, and if you wanted uh, to get out to the gang at a later time, they'd jump you out, but most people that they jump in, you know, you might not survive that if you're not tough. And if you get jumped out, you're probably not going to survive that either. What does that mean? That's not jump start, push play, and ooh, here we go, here we go. Like, this is like, literally, like, they beat the crap out of you. Absolutely. Group of people beat the snot out of you. In fact, there was a, my, uh, when I grew up, uh, we were part of a church in downtown Seattle that had a uh, homeless outreach emphasis, and we had different people from different gangs coming around that would, be, that, that would get saved and delivered, and God would walk them through, and they someone become our leaders. And he expressed, one of them, uh, Sid, he was expressing to us the gang that he was initiated into. And in order to get into that gang, when he was a teenager, they would come up, they wouldn't beat him up, but they would take a knife, and they would stab it into each of his armpits, all the way up. Bam, bam. And if, you, if they missed the arteries and you didn't bleed out and you weren't a baby about it, guess what? Your family. Forever. Yeah. That's what, that's what it is. It's wicked. It is. And, and, but this, this is to give context and form to in every hero's journey, okay, there's an initiation that, that, that seems very, and in some ways, even in these, in these uh, even in, in you know gangs and, and, and whatnot, it seems virtuous almost because it's like if I can endure this test and I can survive this obstacle, then I'm going to be in and I'm going to have access to everything that this next season has to offer. And so, so that that's what the as it, as it's called is the initiation process. Now, what happens through that? Are you go beyond the threshold of familiar? There's challenges, there's temptations in the hero's journey, and then you get to the very bottom. If it was a circle, you get to the bottom of the circle before it starts now coming back up. And down here at the very bottom, the lowest low, y'all can think of a part in a movie. Maybe it's uh, it's it's known as the abyss in, in, in the hero's journey. It's not known as that in every movie, but it's where there's a moment of revelation that then shifts the journey from spiraling down to this guy might have the upper hand. It's that moment in every weeb anime where all of a sudden they think the hero is dead and then the guitar starts playing a solid, like, low E. Like something, you know, something's about to shift gears here and, and, and the, the, the villain thinks he's won, but something is about to take place. And, and, and oftentimes, it's also considered and written in most hero stories as a death and rebirth. A moment of revelation. 
You look at when Hercules had his death and rebirth to become a hero. Literally was when he jumped in the river of souls, right? If you guys know any of this. Jumped into the river of souls and began to die. And the fates were going to cut his thread of life. Yeah. And he went in to save, what was his, her name? Meg. Meg. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and, and boom. And the moment of death. In the moment of death, he does something that's virtuous and obtains. Now to the next level of the story where it starts going back up. He's victorious. And there's a transformation that takes place. And then an atonement prior to returning back. An atonement meaning that I got, I got the cure from the flower on top of the mountain that was protected by dragons. And now I can save the life of this little one. Like, like it, it's the atonement. It's the redeeming factor of the hero's journey. And then finally, which is the third step, you have departure, you have initiation, which is a big portion. The testing, you have the return. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Like, it keeps going down the list. Everyone is waiting for a triumphant return. So, like I said, you know, you, you got these steps. You want to look at something if maybe you're like, you know, anime person, Myra Academia. There we go. Bam. He goes through a departure from the familiar, right? He has no quirks. He's quirkless, but he desires to have a quirk, right? It's so sad. But now he goes to where he begins to discover one. But there's obstacles all the way, okay? I don't need to spend too long here. But, you know, cleaning up an entire beach, that's pretty difficult, single-handedly. There's a little bit of inner death that he has to go through multiple times. Eating all night's hair. That was gross. So, yeah. But I'm not going to go down that road too much further. But, like, there's a process. And you know the hero's journey if you know that show. Okay? You know where... And he's still on it. I mean, it's literally speaking called My Hero Academia. How do you become a hero? I hope they're following the hero's journey to some degree. So, we, we, ha we have this concept that to be qualified as a hero in ancient Greek mythology and in the stories that become the epics of our generation, there are three qualifications, which is there must be a departure from the familiar, there must be a testing, an initiation, a trial period that, that goes through quite a cycle, and then there must be a triumphant return where you are no longer the person you were when you set out. Okay? So we know what qualifies a hero, but what qualifies a king? There's a king's journey that takes place. It's a little different. A hero is, is great. Fantastic. We love heroes. But kings, I mean, that's another level. Kings have heroes on their team. Heroes find righteous kings to support and to protect. Kings Man, they got their own journey set out. Because not every hero is a king, and not every king in history has been a hero. So, a king's journey has a fancy word called a tripartite requirement to be king. You like that? Tripartite. Just spell it phonetically. There you go. Hercules had to complete his process to become divine, so to speak, if you guys follow ancient Greek mythology. But kings must qualify and remain and defend their kingdom. 
So we look at this in the story of Jesus, requirement number one, okay, to be a king. Not just in Jesus' life, but in ancient, like, Israel, like, this is our culture, the same thing that developed Greek mythology, developed the structure of what it means for you to be identified and recognized universally as a king. And there's three steps, and number one is you, you must be anointed by a prophet. In ancient times, to be a king, a prophet must anoint you. Well, anointing is also, it's also can be looked at as a, the foretold of the coming one, right? Anybody ever watch Ice Age Collision Course, right? No? Come on. Like, I, I know that's kid stuff, but, like, I've watched it, okay? Like, like Ice Age Collision Course, are like, the prophecy is coming, the asteroid, the meteorite, whatever. It's like, there, there's the foretelling, okay? Like, but to be a king... You must have been foretold and anointed by a prophet declaring that you are coming. So what does anointing do? If you look at 1 Samuel 16, 13, if you're taking notes, pop over there with me. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. David anointed king. That's good. Verse 16 says, I'll start at 14. Um, actually, no, I'll go ahead and verse. You guys all there? Verse 16? Verse 16, chapter 16. 16, verse 18, I think. Yeah. 16, 13. There we go. Perfect. There's 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn, Samuel the prophet, took the horn of oil, and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, that is David. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Wow, pretty cool. The anointing symbolizes, it's normally done with oil, but oil in itself is nothing. Oil is a symbol of the anointing which the anointing is the prophetic declaration and plan of God for your life. And you being able to partner with that and partner with his power is the calling or appointed and acknowledged authority divinely given to you by God. Jesus, if you take a look at John chapter 3, let's take a look there. John chapter 3. Anybody got the whole book of John memorized? Would that be fun? Nice work. John chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Says, 13 through 17. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended. Uh -huh. John chapter 3. And I'm actually going to go up to verse... I think I skipped a verse. Forgive me, guys. Thanks for your help. Baptism. There we go. Jesus' baptism. Okay, verse 22, chapter 3. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside and remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing uh, near Salem because the water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not 
he had been put into prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and the Jew and the Jew of purification. They became and they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who is with you across from the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness with me that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He, and in verse 31, he who comes from above is above, and he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above hell, and he who bears witness to what has been seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. He goes on to uh, describe and prophesy over God. And I'm sorry, I want to pull up here the verse here where, where uh, I thought that was one of the verses, but the verse where John baptizes Jesus, okay? So let me get the perfect one. You guys ready for it? Someone tap your neighbor and say, hey. All right. You guys good? No. No? No. You're not really? Yeah. It was, that was my fault. Matthew 3, not John 3. But... John 3 goes with it too. There we go. Then Jesus came from Galilee at the Jordan River to be baptized uh, by John. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I'm going to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered him and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting Upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, son in whom I'm well pleased. You see, step one, the anointing and the prophetic declaration of God's will takes place. To, it, it, and I'm interested, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. Think that a bird landed on him? Descended as a dove. Maybe that was the only way they could describe it. Maybe it wasn't a bird. Maybe it was the visible Holy Spirit descending as a dove. You want, you want to know some cool numerology really fast? I'll skip through it real fast. When you see it descending as a dove, in this scripture, differently than when they send a dove out from uh, Noah's Ark, that word dove there and the word dove here are not the exact same Hebrew words. Because when you look at the Hebrew words for dove in this context, they turn, all of Hebrew letters turn, translate into numbers. And those numbers translate into other types of primary words. Well, the word that this one of dove translates to in is actually the number meaning alpha and omega. Not a bird. Hey, thank you! Somebody! Give me some of that. Praise God. All right. That was a preview. So you're like, whoa. All right. Perfect. That's what you were here for. But so the Spirit of God descends on the dust. So he gets anointed by water and by the anointing itself descend upon him. So I want to ask you, where are you in this story? We're only in step one right now. Step two. The, immediately as he gets out of the water, guess what happens? The Spirit of God drives him into the wilderness for 40 days. Tell me about your, don't really, but think about your awesome 
you know, uh, superhero, Percy Jackson or whatever, as soon as he has revelation that he's special, then instantaneously he is thrusted into opposition. Things start coming up against him. All of a sudden, everything that was normal prior to Percy Jackson knowing what was, uh, that he was a hero, all of a sudden it becomes, now why is every demon from hell trying to kill him and everyone they know? Like, like they're all under attack. Why? Because he became aware of his calling. Just similarly, you see the hero's journey of the king's journey of Jesus. He now has stepped into the authority and has been declared by God, now is the time. And he's driven out by the Spirit of God to be tempted by Satan himself. I think Satan himself has a little bit more on any of the other, you know, villains. <laughs> okay? Because they're, they're all a little bit more secondary. So Satan himself. And not for one epic battle, but 40 days of temptation in the wilderness and wild beasts, it says. This is wild beasts, too. I wonder if he was fighting off animals, too. Would you want to wrestle a bear? Eli, Eli, would you want to wrestle a bear? You could. You maybe could. So the second part of the king's journey, first part is the anointing and the prophetic declaration. The second part is the, uh, is the ascension to demonstrate his power over the enemy of God. That is a king's journey. To prove his kingly material through a feat. When you look at Mark 1, 12 through 13, if you want to notate that, that's when you see the Spirit of God drove him out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan himself with the wild animals. He had to defeat a foe. But this turned into a three and a half year journey that Jesus was on. Not 40 days. Some of y'all have been sad about something for a week. I got grounded from my phone again. Lord, I'm under such persecution. Okay, I understand. That's tough. 40 days, the devil himself tempting you. I have a hard enough time saying no to McDonald's. Like, and that's not even the devil tempting me, okay? Like, let's move forward. And so the devil himself tempting him. And so now, verse 14, now it begins. So, the wilderness became a model for the next three and a half years and, uh, of, of what was going to happen. Satan coming and saying, all right, hey, Jesus, hey, I own, I have authority. I have delegated authority and right over all the nations of the earth outside of God's people, Israel. Took him to the high place. I'll give all this to you. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. How many of your heroes have had a moment where they could turn to the dark side and become stronger than they could ever imagine? Boom, he's preaching next week. There you go. And so, you see, there's an opportunity to get what you think you're after if you would just do this. And she's like, no, you're not going to give me anything. I'm going to actually rightfully seize it and take it. Because a king isn't given territory to rule. A king takes territory to rule and improve. So with that, Jesus then goes on a journey over the next several years, proving his worthiness of the anointing, which brings him to the final phase of step two. And I want to ask you, what part of that journey are you in? 
you're in this journey. Lastly, this is the last main chunk here. There's a coronation. No one knew what that word was until Elsa and Anna brought it back to our forefront. <laughs> Thank you, Disney. Okay. Did something good. There's a coronation. But when you look at it, Lord of the Rings, Jedi, whatever you want to think, there is a time where there is a knighting, there is a coronation, there's a celebration, there's an acknowledgement of that authority to rule, to be who they are, the last Jedi, right? You know, and the return of the king, right? The king under the mountain, okay? All these other things. There's a coronation. There's an enthronement event with multiple required steps. I want you to be really thinking closely as I go to the next parts really fast. Each of these steps are required, and you very well may be in one of these steps. But it might not look what you thought it would look like. Ready for this? Someone, someone, someone help me out. Amen? Amen. I'm ready? Yeah. I want some? Yeah. Yeah. I, want, I want what Jesus got? There yeah, we go. Sure. Okay. Here we go. There is a required series of events. And for those of you who are familiar with Jesus' story, the pieces might start coming together. But for Jesus to fulfill his final steps on Palm Sunday today, 2020-ish or so years ago, he came into town, celebrated, acknowledged as the anointed king, the one to rule. But he wasn't yet enthroned. His coronation began. These sometimes would last a long time. Day, no. Week, month, party. It's a time to celebrate and show what all the king has to offer and all that he's been victorious over. So, he is stepping in. Man, everything feels so great. I'm on top. I am, man, everyone is singing my praise. I know Jesus isn't, isn't prideful and he wasn't thinking like this, but, you know, we might. Man, everyone's singing my praise. Things are going good. I feel good. I feel like, I feel like I can actually do this Christian thing. Like, God really does love me. Well, to step into your kingly authority, because God has called us to be kings and priests. There's a specific process. Claiming to sit at the right hand of power. It's a trial. We have, there must be a, spe a special meal. If you're taking notes. There must be a special meal that takes place. There's a crown given in every king. There's another anointing. There's a kiss. That's actually part of the ritual of becoming king. Then there are peace offerings offered. There are certain noises and music that are played. There's a special platform the king is to be elevated on to be seen. There is an actual act of sitting on the throne or, on, or being seated on the platform. There's a blessing of some officer, official officer. And the older king, is, if the older king is still alive, he blesses the new king just to show publicly the transition of who exactly is chosen as his successor. And it's done publicly in front of of a large group. Some of you might be really familiar with the story of Jesus. 
Maybe some of you aren't. I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm going to pray. Where are you in this journey? You see, Jesus' crucifixion was actually parody, paradox as it's called, of his exaltation to kingship. His elevation to kingship. The required, the re, I'll go through the list with you real fast. The required special meal that there must be. Let there be nuggets. <laughs> the Passover. The Last Supper of Christ. A required special meal. A crown must be given they crown him with a crown of thorns but they place it on his head another anointing declaration of who Christ is as the king which takes place constantly as he's lifted up in the streets and the place a sign above his head, his head saying, King of the Jews. And they declare over him, you are the King of the Jews. Like, no, take that down. That's a mo- that, that, We don't want them to think he was, but to say that he thought he was. He said, what I have said, I have said. Pontius Pilate, an, an officer, officially recognizing who he is. There's a kiss that's required for him to become a king in his last portion. We know the kiss of Judas, but this is the kiss that was used to help seal his commencement as king. An act of being put up on a platform, seated on a platform, he was raised up upon that cross for all to see in the middle of town in Golgotha. You see, there's a journey that we are on today, young people, that Jesus is on. But now I want to encourage you with this truth. Do you think for one second Satan would have allowed any of those steps to happen if he was able to put two and two together enough to know that what he was doing, thinking he was destroying Jesus, was actually positioning him officially to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If he knew that the kiss was required to establish him as a king, he would have allowed Judas to betray him with a kiss. There's a million different ways to betray someone, but somehow, some way. It was with a kiss. Do you think that any one of these steps Satan would have just let Jesus take if he knew it was going to produce the outcome it did? You see, when Jesus stepped into the grave, young people, Satan thought for sure he won. There was no, and he's not dumb. I I won't be honest with you. He's not stupid. He's not. His intelligence and wisdom is like crazy, but he's chosen wrong. So it's all a lie and leads you to the wrong place. I want to encourage you, where are you in this story, young person? The very things that the devil is using against you, God can use 
for you, to establish you in your field of favor and the authority as a king or a hero to your generation. But if we look at it as the destruction of us, it'll never be able to elevate us to where we're called to be. We'll never be able to partner with the truth of God, and we'll just lay back and let the devil have his victory. I want to ask you again, where are you on, where are you in this journey? The very thing that the devil is using to try and destroy your life, and he thinks he's winning, guess what? God in his omniscience, in his perfect knowledge, is able to use that exact temptation, that exact betrayal, that exact obstacle and difficulty to now take you to the very bottom of that journey where you have a revelation from death to life. And now you return seated, transformed and changed, established as a king, as a priest. Ladies, you can be kings. That's okay. You can be a king too. You can be a queen. You can be whatever you want. But God has called you to royalty. I want to challenge you young people this morning. Let's stand up to our feet. We're just closing prayer. Bow our heads. Close our eyes. This morning is a little bit different than normal, but there is an awakening that is coming to our youth, and I believe is now here. It's coming to our church that I believe is now here. Where the Spirit of God is going to be poured out like never before. And where we have felt personally, emotionally, relationally, physically, mentally, spiritually, dead, exhausted, defeated, tired, weak, unqualified, Jesus is speaking to you this morning, young people, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Jesus would like to say to you that where you feel most attacked, I am going to use to elevate you to authority, to power, to victory. You will rule in that land. In the area that you've been most attacked, I'm going to give it as your field of favor to have victory in and to lead others out of slavery and bondage to those who have ruled in that land before. You are being, have been equipped. Though the devil thought he was going to take you out, God said, nope, I'm going to use this because I'm perfect knowledge, guy, and I'm going to make it for your good because I can make all things for the good of those who love Christ. So God, I thank you for the truth of your word. You use all things for the good. You can make all things for the good. Am I telling you, young person, this morning that God made you have a bad year? No. But even in the same way that the devil used Judas to betray Jesus, Jesus said, Ha, you have no idea my plan. You just solidify the fact that I'm going to be established as king of kings, lord of lords. You're you're checking the boxes to qualify me to legally hand over the kingdom to me that's been in your hands, Satan. But I'm not going to let you in on the secret. You'll find out three days later. God, I thank you for your promises. If you're here this morning with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to invite you to just take one moment 
and ask the Lord to help give you perspective. We're going to be quiet here before the Lord for a second. Lord, give us perspective. Help us to know that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, giving up intercession for us. You are praying for us. Just take a moment, and I want you to ask the Lord, where am I on in this journey? Between you and God. Am I somewhere in the departure? Am I just now learning how to go beyond the familiar? Or do I want to stay in the hobbit land forever that I know is familiar? Am I just getting going? Have I only done what I know? Help me to take that first step beyond the unknown. Ask the Lord, Lord, am I somewhere in this journey of temptation and fight and discovery? And I, I, I'm, I'm getting close to that abyss moment where it's life or death, and it might be the death of me, but that means rebirth in Christ. Death to my, my thoughts, my will, my emotion, but now, insert movie, Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White, but way better than that. Is that where I'm at in this journey, Lord? Have I made it that far yet? Am I, am I in this journey and now I'm kind of in some process of returning to my friends and my family, being completely transformed, no longer witnessing with who I once was, though, yeah, even again, funnily, as Gandalf said, Gandalf the Grey, oh, I suppose that was my name some time ago. That we're so dead to our old self that we no longer recognize with that. We no longer identify with that. But we are a new creation in Christ. Is that where you're on in your hero's journey and your king's journey? Do you have the antidote in hand? Are you now coming back into that season where you return and your coronation begins? What if you're in that coronation and it doesn't look like a party, but it looks like betrayal? and a crown of thorns. Will you give up then? Or will you trust God? God, this feels like persecution, but your word says, your word says, let's take another second quietly and ask the Lord, where am I on this journey, God? with a scripture verse. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Luke 22, 31, and 32. Jesus speaking. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I want this house and our young people to look 
and believe that when we say, I've prayed for you, that that is the most powerful words we can receive. Because we know that alone rebukes the devourer. That alone brings healing. That alone defeats the enemy. That alone protects you. And even in that moment when Jesus says, take heart, I've prayed for you, Peter. And when he turned back, he knew he was going to stumble. He knows we are but dust. He's got a plan for you, both while you're away and when you put your eyes back on him. When you, when you turn back, come strengthen your brothers. I've chosen you as an anointed king. God is speaking over you young people this morning. He has chosen you as kings and priests. Where are you in your hero's journey? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless these young people, that you would bless them and keep them, and make your face shine upon them, you'd be gracious unto them, and you'd grant them shalom in the name of Yeshua Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.